You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast with our friend John Owning. Landon, what's going on, sir? Not much. Just trying to psych myself up for this playoff game. I'm excited. It's going to be uh, an interesting battle between uh, two very fairly matched teams. Yeah, as the uh, Week 16 and Week 17 were going on, I was kind of hoping the Cowboys were going to get to play Seattle. And now every day that we get closer to that matchup, I get more butterflies in my stomach because (laughs) this is a good Seattle team. It it really is. The more that you dive into the film and some of the metrics and the data – I mean, it's just, it's a really, really good team. So today we are going to go through uh, the matchups on both sides of the ball, talk about some things we might expect from both the Cowboys and the Seahawks. And I want to go ahead and start with the, the Cowboys offense against the Seattle defense. In week three, the Cowboys really struggled to move the ball. They were just 3 of 13 on third down. Uh, while they, they ran the ball really well, uh, they did not pass very well. I think they had 137 passing yards. Uh, Dak was under pressure most of the game. They had three turnovers. What do you expect to be different in this game from the Cowboys' side of things? Well, I, I think the... I think that in the run game part alone, you're talking about a, a new scheme. I mean, they have they've changed coaches and they've changed uh, offensive line coaches since then, which has changed you know the kind of play calls that they've made as far as the types of runs they're running. So you're going to see a change there. Um, you know, a change back to the more familiar. I think this is going to be a team that's more familiar with their own offensive line personnel than at the point that they were when they played Seattle. They, you know, Looney was still kind of fresh and all this, and now they've got a whole season with him as the center. Um, and, they had Connor and, Williams know, play left guard in that game. That might be right. the same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, similar situation. Now they've they've had Suafilo for a, for a while, so we'll see if he plays or not. And if he doesn't, you know, then Connor Williams will be back and. Uh, you know they have familiarity with him too at this point. Even with you know because it's been a whole season. Even if he hasn't started, uh, he's been on the field at times, and they've gotten some more experience there. So just in a run game point of view, I think that will be different. And then you know the passing game, you've added Cooper, you've developed uh, as a passing attack over the season, just because not only with the addition of Cooper, but what that has kind of tr- the trickle down effect that it's had for the rest of your receivers. And then also just being more familiar with uh, the passing attack. And I, and I think you know, based on what we're hearing and what we've seen uh, potentially a change in, in sort of some of the game planning on how the passing attack mm. is deployed. So I, I think uh, there's been a lot of things that have changed for both of these teams. And then on top of all that, we haven't talked about Seattle losing their all pro free safety. Um, so uh, I think all, all there's been a lot of change between Dallas and Seattle. It might as well have been a game from last season, frankly. Yeah, I, it really it, might it, as well. The, the team has changed so much. All right, let's go ahead and dive into the, the Seattle defense. Um, let's start with their front four. Uh, Frank Clark, uh, a very talented edge rusher, really starting to come on over the, the, the final eight games of the season. He'll be matched up with Tyron Smith. How do you see that matchup playing out between Clark and Tyron? It's a good matchup. You know, I think last time they played, 
Clark was getting off the ball maybe even a tick early. <laughs> I mean, he was getting it, off the ball really fast. It definitely really looked fast. like he had the, the snap count down in that game. And which is interesting because it just so happens that the Cowboys changed. It seems like they were changing their uh, their cadence this last game, or at least yep. was enough that the Giants were jumping offsides pretty consistently. So I wonder if that isn't something maybe either put on tape or changed with the That's idea that this could be different. Um, but I think that you know Tyron Smith being out last week or or you know sitting down last week is going to be great for him it's going to be helpful for him um and i think it's a great matchup between two extremely talented players uh in two incredible athletes as well um what i hope is that the cowboys will find some success running the ball they'll be able to beat up on him a little bit first and then uh, uh not maybe give him the same kind of free run at, at the quarterbacks. And, and also I hope they call some <laughs> the offsides because I think he was offsides a couple of times sure. too. But um, I, I do think that that's going to be a good matchup. I think, you know, it, it's, it's going to be pre- pretty evenly matched and I, it, hopefully Tyron gets the better of him, but it, it, Frank Clark is no joke and he is coming around that corner fast and angry. So they need to make find a way if they need to get a chip in there every once in a while, if Zeke needs to go over and take a piece out of him, Whatever, but they need to be wary of where Frank Clark is because, honestly, I think he's the most dangerous person on this defensive line. Hmm. Uh, so you mentioned the, the Cowboys you know, maybe being able to run the ball against Seattle. Since they lost Earl Thomas, uh, they're allowing 5.1 yards per carry on the ground each game. So, I mean, that's that's hmm. a pretty big chunk uh, you know, that they're giving up. Now, inside, they have two guys that I really liked, uh, at least coming out of school, Puna Ford, undrafted free agent from Texas, and Jerron Reed, just a run-stuffing monster from Alabama. How do you expect the Cowboys to kind of handle these two guys inside? You know, I mean, Reed has really come on and, and, and seems like specifically these last few weeks um, and has really played well. Uh, I feel like... You know, they just have to deal with them the same way that they deal with everyone else. I, I, I think that the the real issue is getting through those guys and getting to Wagner. Because right, Wagner right. is Wagner is the one to me who will wreck this defense if you allow it. So they need to find ways to get off the blocks. I mean get off the, the, the those guys and slip to the second level and make sure that they're getting to Bobby Wagner as well. Um you know, I think Reed is going to get get a, a whole bunch of Zach Martin. Or I mean, they may try to flip him around to the other side, and we'll see how you know, it goes there. But I, I I think that you know if the Cowboys are going to attack Seattle the, probably the same way that Seattle is going to attack the Cowboys, yep. and they're going to want to run the ball. They're going to want to come downhill on these guys, uh, and you know tenderize them a bit that way first, and then ho- see how well they hold up. I, I think that that is how you kind of get these guys going is make them move, make sure I'm sure not sure which direction they're going. Uh, and then just, you know, putting some hesitation in their game will make them less effective, especially for some of these guys like Frank Clark and who are just kind of trying to come off the edge as hard as they can. Um, but maybe, you know, aren't, are wary that they need to be solid, be better in run defense. If you can give them a hesitation to just, you know, come off a tick slower, uh, I think you've you've done something to help your passing game eventually. Yeah, this is a game I would love to see the Cowboys use a little bit more like that delayed draw. Remember, the, remember, like it was like early 2010, 2011. They used to run that delayed draw with 
Romo and Marion Barber and Felix Jones yeah. so well. I would love to see them do that a little bit more this week because you know that that Frank Clark and Deion Jordan they're going to want to get up the field. If you can get those guys up the field, uh, you know, and maybe second guessing themselves, I think that could be a huge advantage for the Cowboys this week. Um, let, Absolutely. Let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we'll talk about that Seattle secondary without Earl Thomas. This episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to those of a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on a single charge. It's a perfect gift for any friend or family. It's great for anybody who works outdoors, skis, snowboards, hunts, anything like that. Anybody that hates the cold, you need to get them an Action Heat garment this Christmas season. Uh, For our listeners, we have a special deal to save 20% off your entire order, just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at the checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, Landon, this Seahawks secondary doesn't look anything like we're used to seeing from a Seattle team. No Earl Thomas out for the season. Cam Chancellor uh, obviously not there anymore. Richard Sherman is in with the 49ers. Uh, it's a pretty young group, um, and it, it might be even a little bit more inexperienced this week with uh, their best cornerback, Shaquille Griffin, kind of nursing an ankle injury. We'll get an update on his status here over the next couple of days. But what do you see from this Seahawks secondary, and do you think the Cowboys can expose them a little bit there? I do. I think this is a spot where the Cowboys can find make some hay for sure. Um, you know, you talk about the kind of coverages that you're going to see from these guys. And it's going it's to be a similar, you know, uh, defensive call, defensive play calling game that you would see from Chris Richard, I think. I mean, I don't know that they'll be that different. I think they'll, the Cowboys may run uh, some slightly different coverages more often. But, I, you know, again, it's a cover one, cover three, you know, with with varying degrees of cover two. And that may be the difference between the Cowboys and Seattle is cover two. But um, I, I think that you look at the guys on the outside uh, and, and Shaquille Griffin, if he plays – that's great, but he's if he's playing with an ankle injury, then he, you know then he's probably around the same level as these guys, I would think. Right. Um, and, and I think where the Cowboys have the ability to to, to change the script, the script as opposed to the week three matchup is again, like I said, Amari Cooper and what they're able to do with Amari Cooper and these guys. Um, Tedrick Thompson should be back from them on the back end. I, Bradley McDougald is a is a good safety, I and mean, so I mean they, that's one area where they they have you know some. Uh, they'll have some success. He's a he's a good, strong safety. You know, tackler. Uh, you know, he's not necessarily. Uh, he certainly isn't Earl Thomas, but he can cover as well. Um, but I think Tedrick Thompson is still kind of a work in progress. Um, and then these corners on the outside uh, can all be tested. So if the Cowboys can find a way to get their passing game going with Cooper, with you know 
with quick stop routes. I mean, they're going to want to try to bail up the field. They're not going to want to let anything get deep on them. So we're going to need to see in breaking routes, some stops routes, some things that are going to chase them off the line and then, you know, get underneath real quick because they're going to try to keep everything in front of them. Um, and then, you know, I, I think make these guys on the outside and on the back end tackle. Yeah. Throw you know get the ball outside get Zeke the ball on the outside on the move and let's beat them up some more and and they're not you know they're not going to like that either so um, I think that you test them a couple different ways you see how they're going to try to cover Beasley inside um, and then you see how the, these guys will handle whatever tight end situation we have and then I think you attack appropriately. All right, so a couple of things really quickly. Um, I went back and watched the Week Three matchup, the L twenty two, yesterday. And Seattle's game plan in that one was so simple. On third down, they're going to double-team Beasley, and they were going to dare Prescott to throw the ball on the outside to uh, you know, a very raw Michael Gallup, who was in his third career game, and Alan Hearns. Uh, and they were not afraid at all of those guys. Uh, it, with Amari Cooper on the field, I love that matchup with, with Trey Flowers, probably their top corner this week. Trey Flowers is a fifth-round pick from Oklahoma who was really a safety uh, from Oklahoma State, excuse me, who was a safety mm-hmm. there. Uh, he's a big athletic guy. I think he's like six foot three, 205 pounds. Uh, he does really well against big physical receivers. I'm not so sure that a matchup with Amari Cooper, you know, a guy that runs precise routes, is going to be in his favor. So if if they decide to deploy the same game plan, I would think Amari Cooper would have the big advantage here, right? So much so that I would be surprised if they deployed the same game plan. Right, I right. mean, I, I, I just imagine they see that and they're like, well, we can't do that now that Cooper's outside. So it'll be interesting to see. They're going to have to get more complicated. They're, I mean, and the other thing, too, is that they don't even have the same personnel. You know, I mean, Earl, without Earl Thomas, that greatly changes the equation on your ability to double people inside and still feel safe right you know right. so it'll, it'll be interesting to see yeah I, I don't see them deploying that same game plan simply because of cooper and you know the action that the tight ends have gotten this week i mean you can't really very well double team your slot guy if your tight end is left one-on-one with the linebacker and can run the seam so um yeah i mean well i guess you can if bobby wagner's your tight end but <laughs> or your linebacker but sure uh but yeah i mean that's my point is i i, I think that there's eventually the good thing about last week's game is that it, it gave enough tape that now you really feel probably discouraged from doing something as simplified as that and realizing that these guys have multiple people who can win one-on-one matchups when needed. All right, really quickly, before we move on to the Seahawks offense, how do you expect Seattle to stop the Cowboys' run game? Because in the first matchup, Zeke kind of ran all over him. I think he had 16 carries for 127 yards. I mentioned before how they've really struggled to stop the run this this season. Do you expect Seattle to maybe walk some guys up closer to the box, or do you kind of expect them to stay in a similar type of defense? I think what's going to be interesting is is how the Dallas decides to attack them because I think if yeah, I think the thought process is that they're they're going to try to stop the run because they they feel like Dallas will feel most comfortable running the ball and winning that way. Um, but I, you know, if Dallas kind of comes out and. 10 11 formation or 10 personnel or you know like i think you look at it like you could potentially kind of counteract that and leave them in a bind you know i mean Mm. i because they should not be able to i mean the, the thing is is that they may be able to load up the box 
and make some hay against the run game at times. Um, you know, they still have Bobby Wagner. Right. I mean, he's you know right. he he can single handedly destroy a, a game plan by himself. But my point being that if they decide to spread these guys out and and kind of make them pick their poison, I don't think that they have the personnel necessarily to uh, try to stop the run from the from the you know from a nickel defense. I think that would be problematic for them and, and if anything what it may may allow you is it may mean that you get more puna ford on the nickel which i i kind of like i mean i i think puna ford is, is a for could be a force against the the run but if he's out there trying to rush the passer uh on third down i i feel good about my chances of my quarterback stepping up and making a throw all right let's go ahead and move on to the seattle offense and would it be surprising for me to tell you that Seahawks, the the Seattle uh, Seahawks, finished in the top six in scoring this year? Is, is that surprising? You know, I I keep it's not surprising just because I've seen that all throughout the season. But every t- I will say that every time I've seen that, it does not make sense in my head. Right, it doesn't seem to add up. Well, here's but Wilson's having a fantastic year. That's the thing. Well, again, yeah, Wilson finished the season with 111 passer rating, 35 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and then Seattle ended up as the number one rushing team this year, rushing for well over 2,500 yards as a team. So uh, they're playing a really, really strong brand of football right now. Uh, and it's really because of their offensive line. Uh, we're used to seeing the Seattle team just have, man, a, a bunch of no-namers kind of just all thrown together and really struggling to protect the quarterback and not being able to run the ball. That hasn't been the case this season. Their offensive line has played very well. Uh, they got rid of Tom Cable, and that kind of has, has seemed to fix everything for for Seattle. So let's just kind of talk about this offensive line to start. Uh, Dwayne Brown is going to be at left tackle. Uh, the, the Seahawks kind of expect... Uh, J.R. Sweezy to be back this week. If not, it's going to be Ethan Posick, uh, Justin Britt at center, DJ Fluker at right guard, and Jermaine Effetti at right tackle. What have you seen from the Seattle offensive line this season? Well, I could be wrong, but I, I, if, I think it's going to be George Fant at right tackle. I could yes, be wrong. Yes, but, it is going to be uh, Fant. You're right. Um, yeah, and Fant is a little bit better than Effetti, <laughs> but he is also more of kind of an athlete. Um, you know, obviously the 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 crown jewel of this group is Dwayne Brown. I mean, he's a well-known, well-established left tackle, athletic. Um, he is good uh, at protecting the quarterback. Um, he made his hay at Houston, uh, but spent a lot of time on the injured reserve. I mean, just felt like he think he missed probably two or three seasons with ACLs or whatever. Um, so, uh, you know, he's healthy. He's been playing great this season. So he is definitely the, the best player on that line. Um, you know, the funny thing is, is that if you even remotely know follow football, you probably know the rest of these offensive linemen. I oh, mean, yeah. Kenny, uh, I mean uh, not Kenny, but Justin Britt is a well-known center who's played, uh, you know, had some great seasons in the past. This has not necessarily been one of them, but he has been a, a, a an all-star or an all-pro type player before. Um, J.R. Sweezy has had uh, good seasons previous to this um, and, and and been effect, an effective player. We'll see if he, he makes it on, on on there. DJ Fluker is a guy that if you follow the draft, you know is an Alabama offensive lineman who kicked inside. He played for the, the Chargers, and I think he played for the Giants last year, right? Yep. Um, and Fant is kind of the, the guy that is the more uh, rel- you know new guy in this group. Uh, for sure, but he has been uh, uh, a successful. I mean, he's. I think he's only in his second or third year, and he's he's been a successful uh, addition to that right tackle after they've given up a little bit on Jermaine Effetti, um, and and he's had a lot more success it seems uh, so far 
um, but he's also you know very kind of inexperienced and is more of a a an athlete at the position than you know an experienced uh, offensive lineman. So Demarcus Lawrence should have no problem making hay with him either. Uh, overall, this is a group like you said that really would rather be downhill knocking people off the ball than than getting backwards and trying to keep people off of Wilson. Um, that the 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 interior to me is the is the weaker of the of the two of interior and outerior. Um, and that is where Dallas, um, you know, will make them. I can try to make the most hay as far as the run game goes. Um, but I think it's going to be imperative for Demarcus Lawrence to come out and give a All Pro level performance um, because I think you know his presence in both the run and the pass game uh, is going to have an effect on uh, how comfortable Wilson is when he does throw the ball. And uh, how effective the run game is when the quarter well, by the time the running back gets the ball. All right, let's talk a little bit about Wilson because stopping him is really the key to beating the Seattle Seahawks. Now he hasn't been the you know by counting stats he doesn't have the volume of some of the other great passers in the NFL, but he is one of the more efficient quarterbacks. Um, in, in their week three matchup, he I think he was 16 to 26, 250 yards and two touchdowns. How do the Cowboys avoid having you know the same type of game here against Seattle? What what do they need to do to slow down Russell Wilson? They just need to make sure that they, uh, you know, are trying to keep him in the pocket. They're collapsing the pocket around him, not giving him lanes to run, to escape out, to make plays happen. Um, You know, keep him from being able to run out the front of the pocket. Uh, This is why, I mean, I'm talking about this with with John. I I think you you should consider using Jalen Smith as the green dogger every once in a while. Just if he's going to, you know, shadow him, and then if he decides that he wants to run, then have Jalen chase him down and, and, you know, make him not want to run anymore. Um, I, I think that those are the ways that you you know, contain him, um, make him uncomfortable, make him make mistakes. Don't don't do what he what he wants you to do is to overrun, get too excited trying to sack him, run past him, and let give him time to get out of the pocket, roll out, and make a play happen with Doug Baldwin. You know that's that's what that's what he wants to do. So we have good guys who can cover. Um, you know, we have guys who can shut down, I think, or at least hold Baldwin back uh, to a certain degree uh, if they can, you know, keep him in a normal functioning <laughs> offense. Right. When the play breaks down and uh, anything goes, there's nothing you know, that is the hardest job on defense covering wide receivers when they could just go anywhere. Um, you need the defensive lineman to finish the job. And frankly, you know, this isn't any different than Green Bay last year, you know, for right, these guys. Right. Like, they have got to find a way to finish. They, with, if when they can't let Wilson or, or, you know, whoever you want to put in there, you can't let uh, uh, Wilson, you can't let Rodgers, you can't let Breeze, you can't let any of these guys move around the way they want to. You need to pressure them, get in their face, block, uh, you know, he's a smaller guy, block the throwing lanes, get your hands up, you know, disrupt what he's doing, but don't get over aggressive to the point where you think uh, you've got him and then you don't maintain your job. May, do your job and and, let, and just collapse around him and, and, and you'll find way, he'll, they'll make mistakes. They don't have a ton of talent on the offensive side. So make them run a conventional offense against your defense and they'll lose. 
Yeah, how the Cowboys decide to handle Russell Wilson is going to be really interesting in this one. Uh, just kind of one final note about the Seahawks offense. They are very reliant on big plays in the passing game. Tyler Lockett has been phenomenal this season. Uh, Russell Wilson has a perfect passer rating when targeting Lockett this year. Uh, in, in week three, I remember they hit Lockett down the sideline for a touchdown. I think it was the first score of the game. Uh, so if the Cowboys can kind of contain some of those big plays and, and limit you know, just the explosiveness of that offense, I think they're going to be okay. Seattle is very much like the Cowboys in that they want to establish the run. They're fine trying to you know run the ball on first and second down and getting in third and manageable. They're going to play a very similar type of game that the Cowboys want to play, and it's just whether or not you know, which team can make the big plays in this matchup. So um, let's go ahead and make our predictions for wildcard weekend. Landon, I will let you go first. Who do you think wins this game and why? This is a really tough matchup. It's a really close game. I think the talent is pretty evenly distributed between the two teams, to be honest. It's just they're kind of in slightly different different spots at different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but the matchups here are, are really fascinating. Um, I'm going to choose Dallas because uh, I feel like Dallas is going to ch- take this opportunity to exercise some demons, um, you know, whether it's – Romo dropping the field goal in Seattle, whether it's, you know, them getting exercising the similar demons, like I said, with Rodgers and Green Bay last year, I I feel like this team is, especially after what happened last week, they're primed and ready. They're playing at a high level. I I think the defense is going to have a bounce back week. Uh, I think Wilson is going to struggle. Uh, I mean, not struggle, struggle, but I mean, I think not have a normal Wilson game because the Cowboys' offense is, uh, defense is going to be able to uh, limit things in the run game. They're going to put it all on Wilson, and the Cowboys are just going to make it very difficult for him to have to slowly get down the field. I, I think if if you make Wilson march down the field and be short, efficient, I don't. I think he can do that. I just don't know that they have the talent to beat you like that. So if the Cowboys defense can keep it all in front of them uh, and disrupt Wilson's timing, stop the run game, I think the Cowboys offense can make hay in the run game on this, and I, I think that there's enough juice right now in the Cowboys pass game. They'll be able to score points. I'm going to pick the Cowboys 28 24. Oh, so you think this is going to be a little bit more of a higher scoring game than maybe what I think. I I, I, I kind of see this as like a 20 to 17 type of game where the both teams used to use the first half to kind of feel each other out. You're going to see a lot of runs on first and second down. Um, I, listen, I've struggled with this game all week long. This is the team I wanted the Cowboys to play. Uh, but at the same time, it's Pete Carroll and it's Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner against one of the youngest teams in the NFL in the Dallas Cowboys. I know they have guys with playoff experience, but it's just a really, really young team. I expect the Cowboys crowd to be really loud and fired up, and that should maybe give them a little bit of energy. But, man, I, 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 I've been struggling with this one so much. I'm going to pick Seattle to win a a fairly low scoring game. We'll say 21-17 and it comes down to the last drive or two of the game. Um, but I this listen, the one time I really really hope I'm wrong on the on this podcast, but we shall see. Uh, enjoy the game. 
on Saturday night. And that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back right after the game. The podcast may come out Sunday morning, Sunday night. Just be on the lookout. We will do everything to recap the game and hopefully be talking about the Cowboys' next opponent. We will see you guys later. Enjoy the game. 